Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there are very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I'll bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we, uh, we come into your presence this evening, and we've got uh, our hearts and minds are all over the place. Uh, some of us are coming from a very... Uh, expected, maybe even boring weekend, run of the mill. Some of us are, have a lot, of, a lot of stuff just dropped on us. And um, Lord, we just don't know what to do. And some of us are, are full of joy. Some of us are full of doubt. Some of us are full of uh, a lot of tears have been spent this week. And Lord, we are your people. And we come from all over uh, the emotional spectrum and uh, all that you've allowed us to live through. And now we come here and we're coming here to respond to your call to worship, Lord. As Amy said, you are the one who calls us to worship and we are here for you because you are worthy of worship and we are here for us because we desperately need you. We desperately need to worship you. We need you to speak to us just like in these verses, Lord. We need you, your word and your spirit to come and speak and um, and make these bones live, whether that's for the first time or for the millionth time. So Lord, we give you this, uh, this time in your presence, in your spirit, in your word, with our brothers and sisters, and we ask you to uh, keep your promise to us to not leave us the same, but to, to transform us into your likeness more and more, Jesus. And we pray this in your name, amen. Uh, well, welcome, I'm Matt Avery, pastor here at Midtown West, and uh, really thankful y'all are here. And uh, I am a, a recent gardener. Um, we just got some hydrangeas, and Lee loves hydrangeas. And so we got two potted hydrangeas um, to give to her as a gift, and we took care of those the best that we could. And then 
those pots became just dried dirt with a lot of brown leaves and dead flowers on them after a while. And they were just sitting in our, our back driveway, just dead for weeks. And then we got this landscaping done where we got these new hydrangea bushes all up down one side of our house. So I had to like learn about how to take care of these things and learned a lot about them. They're called panicle hydrangeas, this kind. And apparently hydrangeas uh, are very, very resilient. And so I'm like standing out there with my phone, reading about hydrangeas, watering the new ones. And then I read about how resilient they are. And so then I just move the hose and start watering the old ones in the pots that were just dead. And guess what? Green. Like I started trimming off the, the brown dead stuff and started watering them every day. And now they are rich. They are full. It is amazing. They have like green leaves all over them. And so I'm like, with this new information, um, my hopelessness about these potted hydrangeas that I just honestly was too lazy to put in the trash can, now, like, there's life there. And so because of what I learned about them, because of the word that came to me about hydrangeas, like, now, now it's all different. Now there's like a whole, new, a whole new expectation, a whole new understanding of what is possible with these flowers. And so... Um, that's, that's this passage. That's what we're talking about. That's what God is doing with us, with his people. Um, a little background, um, Ezekiel is a priest who never got to be a priest. He was trained um, in the ways of, of the priesthood, and um, he was with everybody else taken into exile into Babylon. So God had this uh, covenant with his people, and he said, I, I'm going to be your God. You'll be my people, and if, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just trust me, um, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to lead you to abundant life. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. But if you disobey, if you refuse to worship me, if you keep just living life on your own terms, um, then you'll, you'll be under the curse and you'll be under the judgment that's deserving of your, that your sin deserves. And so after all these attempts, all these attempts to call them back to himself, hey, please stop going this way. Please come back, just return. Um, and, and they got more and more stubborn, more and more stubborn. And finally, he just said, like, I, it's, now it's time. I just got to let you go. And so this foreign power comes in and just slaughters the people of God. And they take the people that weren't slaughtered, and they take them into exile. And so now all these people of God, Ezekiel included, have spent 10 years living in Babylon. 10 years in exile and all hope. Of, of any further relationship with the Lord, of any life, um, is now effectively lost. You know, maybe we got here, maybe God's going to turn things around. Maybe we've been here for a year. Okay, maybe we've been here two years. Okay, now we've been here 10 years. I think he forgot about us. And all hope is lost. And, and we're as good as dead. And so the question at the outset of this sermon that we have to ask ourselves is, do we live without hope? Are we like these people in ways that maybe we didn't think so? Are we without the functional hope that God is going to work here and now? Maybe we believe that there is a, a life after this life, but do we believe in the power of God to work now, to transform my life now, to transform the lives of the people around me, to bring dead things to life? And so how can we tell? Um, well, one way I think that we can tell if we're living without hope is is what are we living for? What gets us excited day in and day out? Is it the weekend? 
Is it the next vacation? Is it buying new stuff? Is it the next phase of life? Is it the next beer? Is it the next promotion? What is it? Is it buying, buying stuff? I already said that. <laughs> Maybe the Lord's convicting me of buying stuff. Uh, what is the determining factor for what I believe is possible with God? Is it my own experience? Is it what I can see? Is it my circumstances of what I see around me? Where have I given up hope? Where have I disbelieved and disregarded his promises to me? And so this series that we're doing here um, is this six-week series called God's Orienting Questions. God asks questions in scripture of people, and it's not because he doesn't know the answer to them. He's God. Uh, but it's because we need to be oriented by those questions. He is asking those questions for our benefit so that we can hear them and take stock of where am I, where are you calling me to, and how do I get from where I am to where you're calling me to? And so the question on the table tonight is to Ezekiel, to us, um, hey, son of man, which just means human, <laughs> hey, person, can these bones live? AKA, what do you believe is possible with God? What do you believe about the power of God at work in the world and in your life? And that's a very important question for us to answer. And so here, um, God has called Ezekiel, he's a priest, but now he's called to be a prophet, which just means that he's the mouthpiece. Um, God speaks to his prophets and then they go speak to the people and tell them what God is going to do in the future. And so he brings Ezekiel out into this valley, into this plain, and it's, it's so cool because throughout the book of Ezekiel, this happens a few different times, and this place acts as a theater of sorts for God to speak to him in 3D. And so what he shows him out there um, is this valley of, it is full of dead bones. It is full of the bones of humans, and these bones are so dead. Ezekiel makes the point of saying, like, these bones are so dry. They, these are not people that have just died. Like, these people have been here forever, and every ounce of life is gone from these bones. They are parched and sun-bleached, and they have been out here dead, dead, dead for a very long time. And it says that the Lord leads him around through these bones. I want you to see all of them. I want you to see how many there are. I want you to see how dead they are. And then he asks him this question, son of man, can these bones live? And this is an invitation. This is an invitation to him. This is an invitation to us. God is, is calling him in. I want to call you out of your hopelessness. I want to call you out of what you think is possible, this little box that you live in. And remember that I'm the God of the universe. And he calls him son of man uh, a whole lot in this book. And I believe in part that, that part of the reason he calls him son of man is to remind him that you and I are different in very important ways. I'm not limited by the things that limit you. So you limited little person, do you believe that these bones can live? And I love Ezekiel's response because he's like, I'm thinking no, but the way you're asking me this question, I think it's yes, I don't know. But it's like, it's, in some sense it's beautiful because he's saying like there's a humility there of like, 
I'm not gonna, I don't know, right? Like I'm living within my limits, I don't know. Like you are the God of the universe, I'm not. I'm just a, a little person, but you brought me out here to this amazing 3D theater and you were asking me this crazy question, so I think yes, maybe. Um, but, I, but I really don't know the answer. But in, in another sense, it's, it's not that great of an answer. It's, it just reveals his hopelessness. Like, because in another sense, it's like when the God of the universe has taken you in the power of the Spirit and transplanted you to another physical location and has showed you just death upon death upon death and then asked you this question, I think it's probably a safe bet to say, yeah, like with you, anything is possible. But just this hopelessness of like, I, yeah, you know, you know, I don't know. And so here we are. And so the Lord is saying, I'm about to show you what I'm capable of. And, and what's really crazy about how he shows him this is the means through which he shows him what he's capable of, this power of his to bring life from death. And so look at the power of the word of God. Like God could have done anything, but this is how he chooses to work. He tells Ezekiel, you tell these bones that God said, you tell them that this is the word of God and you listen to the word of God, you dead bones. Okay, bones don't have ears, but guess what? <laughs> they don't need ears because God is not asking for permission and he's not limited in his working. And just in the power of the word, you make sure that these bones know that this is not what you said, this is what I said. And you tell them that I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And this is what he's been doing since the beginning, Genesis one, the earth was without form and void and there was nothing but darkness. But then God spoke creation into existence. He didn't touch anything, he didn't make anything, he just spoke. Like that is the power of the word of God. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be all the things in the created order, and there was because the powerful, almighty God spoke. And so Ezekiel, I mean, this is amazing. God tells him what to say, and then he literally, that's all he does. He's like, okay. I, <laughs> you know, I just imagine like his experience as he's out there, like, so just... Say that to that. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, this, like, hear the word of the Lord, nobody but these bones. Like, and then all of a sudden the impossible started happening. They started hearing this rattling sound. All these bones started moving. And he, he just literally spoke. And it reminded me of um, something that Charles Spurgeon, a famous pastor and theologian from, uh, from century past, um, said about the word of God. He said, you know, there's a phase which, you know, we're kind of always going in and out of these phases of like people feeling like they have to defend the word of God. And, you know, there's a place for that. But Spurgeon said, hey, um, why don't you stop worrying about defending it and just say it? because it's like a lion in a cage and all you gotta do is open the door. And when you open the door, he doesn't need any help. He's gonna take care of business. 
But you see here, this, there's a two-step process, which is kind of interesting because God said like all of it together. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the flesh and the muscles and everything back on these bones and put them all back together. And I'm gonna cause the spirit of life to go in them and they're gonna live. And so Ezekiel obeys God, does exactly what he says. And now there's, I mean, you know, again, I would love to be there standing with him to see what this was like. But now all these bones have come together and now they've made skeletons, full skeletons of people. And now all of a sudden, you know, muscles and nerves and blood and everything and, and now skin and, and hair and eyes and all that. Like now they're just dead bodies laying there. And Ezekiel's like, ah, I don't, you know, okay. That's part of, we're part of the way there. We'll just wait for something else to happen. And then God says, no, no, no. You need to prophesy to the breath. Like, okay. And this was really, uh, I had to think about this and, and do some studying about this this week because as I read this, I was like, what's the deal with this? Like, why is there this, this two-step process? Um, what is the breath? And this breath is the Holy Spirit. And when God says, no, 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 you have to prophesy to the breath because it's that, this word uh, in, in Hebrew is the same word for breath and wind and spirit. And so it's this really cool, like sort of multi-dimensional word of like the breath of life is the Holy Spirit. And you have to say the word of God, essentially kind of like command the Holy Spirit to come into these dead bodies and make them live. And so in one sense, he's telling him what's necessary. Like uh, if the Holy Spirit is not there, then, then it's dead. The Holy Spirit has to be there for there to be life. And also this encouragement of like, I'm telling you to call on the third member of the Trinity and, and ask it to get into these bones, tell it to get into these bones and, and make these bodies live. And so I just wanna stop there and say, this is a good lesson for us in all of life. It's like, no matter what you and I are up to, no matter what kind of like self, um, betterment we're, we're into, whether it's physical activity or career advancement or whatever, if the Holy Spirit is not there, um, then we're just becoming more successful and more attractive corpses because we have nothing. We have nothing. We have no life. We are spiritually dead apart from the activity of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.44 says this, while Peter was still saying these things, he was still sharing the gospel, the word of God. It says the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So there's something about the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit coming together and that is how God works in his world. It is the life-giving spirit of God working together with the word of God spoken through broken and finite sons of men and daughters of men. That is how God works in this world. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, and 5 says this, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. How? How do we know that? How do we know that somebody has come to faith in Christ? Paul says, because our gospel, the word of God, came to you not only in word, we didn't just say it, we didn't just talk about it, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Because someone can speak the word of God over a room of people 
And some of those people are dead, and some of those people come alive. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working on his own terms. I, I read a theologian say one time that I thought was, was so brilliant that I never really thought about this. Um, like the, the word of God, the scriptures, is not a magic spell book. And God is not going to be bound um, and indebted to us just because we decide to open his word. He is going to work through his word on his own terms through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is saying in John 3, 8 when he's talking to Nicodemus. And he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Like you don't, you can ask the Spirit to show up, but you don't get to control and you don't get to guarantee anything, but you desperately need the Spirit of life to show up with the Word of God in order to see anything transformed, to see anything come to life. And so a question for us is, is you know, wherever we are in our relationship with the Lord, who is leading that process of coming to know God? Who is in control of that process? Because if it's me, that's going to be a very gigantic waste of time. If I'm in control of me coming to know God and decide who he is and what I think he's like and everything, um, it's not going to be, it's not going to end well. But if I let the Holy Spirit be in charge, if I ask him, would you please open my eyes? Would you please come and breathe life into me and come and bring power to your word so that I can see and understand and know you and love you and respond to you? Well, that's, that's a whole different story. So again, it's the word of God and the spirit of God in the mouths of the people of God who are living in obedience to his call. That's the power to bring life from death. Okay, so now we keep going here. And as Ezekiel gets to see this amazing thing happen, he gets to see these, these dead, dry bones become a strong army of living men. And then God turns and says to him, hey, the reason I showed you this is because you, need to see, you needed to see the power of the word and the spirit. Because the real reason I showed you this is these bones represent my people. And I'm calling you to take my word and go and speak it to my people to bring life to them. And what does he say? Well, first he says what, what the people have been saying. He's like, the reason I'm using this 3D imagery with you of these dry bones is because this is the mantra that's been on my people's lips. Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. We are as good as dead. And so therefore you go and you bring my word to them and you tell them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. So what God is talking about here as he often does in prophecy in the Old Testament is um, now and future. Because what's happening in the immediate future to the original hearers of this word from Ezekiel 
is God made good on his promises. He metaphorically brought them back from the dead. They've said that they felt like they were dead, dry bones, and they were in graves. They were as good as dead. And God said, I'm gonna metaphorically raise you from the dead and take you out of captivity and bring you into your promised land, the actual physical geographic space that is the land of Israel. You're gonna go back. And he made good on that promise. He kept that promise. But then he keeps going and he talks about how he's gonna put his spirit within his people and they'll live. And that's not for right now. That's this future promise um, that he is, he's talking about much deeper things. And essentially what's happening is he's saying, if you think making these dry bones become a great army is impressive, it's gonna actually take a lot more than that to be able to put my spirit in my sinful, rebellious people. A foretaste of this when Jesus shows up on the scene is, is the story with Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead for days and Jesus just goes and stands in the presence of his tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And just with that word, this dead man <laughs> comes out and they remove the grave clothes and he's alive again. And Jesus is like, that, that right there, you know, Ezekiel had his little 3D theater of, of God's imagery, like this is mine. I'm telling you, this is what I came to do, but this is not near as impressive of, of what I really came to do, but that this is a picture of, which is to save my people from spiritual death and to bring them back to spiritual life. He says in another story um, where the, the, the paralytic man that his friends lower him through the roof, if you remember that story, um, it's amazing because Jesus just walks by the man and sees him there. He's like, oh, this guy is paralyzed, maybe even a quadriplegic, we don't know, but he's been that way since birth. And everyone's like, clearly, man, this guy's healing the blind. He's, he's making the lame talk and walk or whatever the lameness is. Um, he's making the mute talk. And Jesus sees this man who's just, his friends have just gone through this giant ordeal to lower him down by faith and like, okay, you can heal him. And, and if you remember what Jesus said, he said, hey, good news, your sins are forgiven. And then he's done. And he goes, whoa, whoa, wait a second. What about my legs and my arms and everything? But like Jesus was saying something with that statement. That's a much bigger deal to be able to say your sins are forgiven. And then he it said that he could like read the thoughts of some of the Pharisees who were there, who were like, who is this guy? He's just spouting off stuff like, I just forgave your sins, only God can do that. Like clearly he's just saying that. And so Jesus, knowing what they thought, said, okay, let me ask you this question. What is, what is harder to say? What's more difficult to do? To forgive that man's sins or to tell him to take up his mat and walk? And implied in that question is, you don't understand. It is much harder for that man's sins to be forgiven than it is for me to heal his legs. But because you are limited, I'm gonna say get up and walk so that you can see I can do that. Maybe you believe I can forgive sins too because think about what God has done throughout creation. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke Lazarus out of the grave. He spoke healing to all these people. And so to, to heal somebody physically to bring dead bones to life and put flesh and blood on them, like that's actually not that big a deal because that just happens with a word. What's a really big deal is what it, what it takes to forgive sins, to remove 
them from the wrath of God so that God can put his spirit in them again, that takes a lot more. That actually takes God becoming man. That actually takes Jesus with flesh on, humbling himself to death, um, wearing all of our sins, being totally separated from his father for the first time ever, bearing all the wrath that's due for all of our sins on the cross and suffering unto death and being dead in the grave for three days. That's what it takes to forgive sins. And this is the power of the word. This is why the word is so powerful because scripture says that all of God's promises, you notice what God's doing here in this passage in Ezekiel. He's saying, you go and encourage them with what I'm gonna do in the future. Basically, you go and tell them about my promises that I'm making. And it's as good as done because when I speak it, I always keep my promises. In the New Testament, it says, all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. And that is why the word is powerful because scripture is not a magic spell book. Scripture is not something where I can just pick it up and read it and magical things happen. Scripture is powerful because these are words that are backed by actions. These are promises that are backed and fulfilled by the the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's why scripture is powerful. God's words have power because of the actions behind them. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, for the word of the cross is folly, it is stupidity to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The news about Jesus Christ dying in my place is the power of God. That is why the word in the spirit is so powerful. Matthew 27, 51 and 54, 51 through 54 says this. This is, the, this is Jesus, what's happening in the aftermath of Jesus dying on the cross. You get to see an amazing, amazing fulfillment of this, this passage from Ezekiel. Because remember, there's a few different fulfillments here. First, there's, there's the immediate fulfillment of like, yeah, you guys are getting out of your metaphorical graves and going back from exile into Israel. But guess what else is going to happen? Actual dead people are going to be raised from the dead. And it says here that uh, when Jesus died on the cross, it says, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, and tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion saw, and those who were with him saw all this, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. Because no one has power like that. Nobody's words have power like that. And so now in Christ, when Jesus asks us this same question, hey, hey, let me ask you a question. Can these bones live? Now we're not stuck in this like neutral waiting room place like Ezekiel was. Like, I don't know, Lord, you know. Now we can answer that question with an emphatic yes. Yes, they can. I've seen it happen. Like when you, when you died, uh, people were raised from their graves and they went and said hi to their family members. And, and I can answer that with an emphatic yes because of my own life. Because anybody who's, who's come to faith in Christ knows like I was dead. Like I'm a different person now, I'm new. Like the, the things that I used to love, the things that I used to get into now like make me sick. And the things that I couldn't care less about now are the most important things in the world to me. I'm a different person. 
The, the Holy Spirit has come with the word in power and transformed life and brought life from death. So yes, these bones can live. In Acts 2, 32 and 33 um, says this, this Jesus, this is Peter speaking to people at Pentecost. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And what Peter is, is referencing there and what's referenced to a lot in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit is called the promised Holy Spirit pointing back to this promise in Ezekiel. God's saying, hey, I, there's gonna be a day, it's not now, but there's gonna be a day where I pour out my spirit on you and not, my spirit's not just gonna be with you anymore. Like Ezekiel can say, hey, spirit from the four winds, like spirit from all over the earth, come here and do something. No, no, no. This is where this train's going, is you are gonna be so intimately connected with me that I'm actually gonna make a way, if you can believe it, there's no way to believe it, that you, sinful, limited, broken, rebellious little person, you are gonna be so united with me that my spirit is actually gonna live in you. The same spirit that the power of, that raised Christ from the dead is gonna live in you and give you new life. And so now this spirit has been poured out. And so that's why um, Christian ministry is, is ministry of prayer in the word. That's what it is. It's prayer because we can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray. Holy Spirit, please come in your power because in our power we have nothing. And it's the word because this word of the cross, this word of the gospel, this good news all of God's promises fulfilled in Jesus, this is the power of God. And so that's why the word preached and taught and counseled and meditated on and sung and prayed and have prayed and sung over me, like that is, that is life, that is power. That is the power to transform, that is the power to bring life from death. Acts 4.31 says this, and when they had prayed, this, this little group of Christians, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's prayer in the word. And uh, our, our vision statement here at Midtown West is this. It is that we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, to set others free, and to enjoy that freedom together. And that is how this happens. You know, so often we live in this place where we feel like, I don't know if that's thunder or something else. Hey, that's the Holy Spirit. Hey, welcome. However you want to show up is great. Um, that's, that's how this vision gets accomplished. That's why I stand up here and do this. That's why we sing what we do. That's why we pray what we do. That's why we have small group where we read the word and we talk about the word because it's like Spurgeon said, you just got to let that thing out of its cage and let it do its work. And when we ask the spirit and we say, Lord, you are, you are the only one who has the power to bring death to life. And you, you choose in your wisdom, your infinite wisdom that I can't understand, you choose to do that through your very broken people. Um, like, great. We want more of that. 
And that's how we are gonna be transformed. That's how we are gonna come to faith. That's how we're gonna grow in faith. That's how we're gonna mature and become just like Jesus as he promises to make us. And guess what? That's how we're gonna move out into the world to set others free, to be vessels for the power of God at work in the lives of other people. And you all know this, it's already happening. We just go out and, and just share the word. Um, it doesn't have to be this big to do. It doesn't have to look like preaching a sermon to people, um, but it's taking the truth of God and working it into the lives of the people around you who are hopeless and dead and dying and saying, hey, actually, this is where life is. And as the Lord gives opportunities, um, you, you hear the bones begin to rattle and you hear them begin to come together and you see the power of God at work as, as people's lives are transformed. And I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like that's about as good as it gets for me because we're all fine, right? If you're in Christ, like you're okay, you're good. Uh, we're gonna be in eternity with Jesus forever and all the things that I really wanna have happen, all the things that I'm really longing for are all gonna find their perfect fulfillment in him in that time for all eternity. So I'm good. What I'd really love to see now is I'd love to see as much of the power of God at work bringing dead things to life as possible. That's, I wanna put all my chips in on that. And if you're here with us and this is the body, uh, this is the part of Christ's body that he's called you to, that's, that's what we're up to. We wanna put all of our chips in on watching him transform us and make us more like Jesus and watching him take dead people and bring them to life and join in this body. So, uh, and an encouragement in that too, I'll just throw that in there. Um, that can be really intimidating to think about going out with the word of God, but I mean, did you see what Ezekiel did? Like he didn't have to, there's no creativity. There's no, no mental energy required. It's just faith. God said, hey, here's exactly what to say. And like, okay, I'll say it. And he just did. That's all he did. So as we walk with God and, and we walk with other people, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and gives us nudges and say, hey, why don't you ask that question? Why don't you share something with them? Um, okay, that's all you have to do is just be obedient and see, see what happens. So God's call to Ezekiel is God's call to us now in Jesus. Um, now that we've seen the power of God, now that we've experienced the power of God at work in his word and through his spirit, um, he says, now do the same thing. Go in obedience to the people that I've called you to and unleash this power on them and, and see the dead raised to life. Father, we, uh, when we are sober, when we are thinking straight, when we are in a healthy place, um, this is what we want. We wanna follow you in this. We, want, we wanna follow you into um, being vessels and being used in the lives of other people to bring life to dead places and to dead people. And so Father, would you please give us uh, the hunger for you, give us the faith that we need, give us the hope that we need, give us the courage, and give us the love that we need, the love for you and for the people that you've put around us um, to move out by faith in your power for your purposes. And I ask that in Jesus' name, amen.